Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Well, you gave me a very kind compliment and I think overly generous. You said I was smart. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's necessarily true. You should see my spelling. I don't um, do smart because to me, smart is not just what people call book smart, right? It's not because in Western society, we put people through schools, which measures yeah. and trains certain types of intelligence. There's yeah. specific kinds, largely the type of intelligence that allows you to follow and copy and mimic, not even mimic, really just, just copy. And there are many different kinds of intelligence. And uh, I always, I mean, for me, street smart is, they're both very valuable, but to me, street smart is more because I value independence. And I, again, for each person, it's their value, but to be street smart, to think on your feet, to be creative, to find solutions to problems, especially solutions that no one else has found before. I call that smart. I appreciate that. Well, yeah. I mean, sometimes I can, I can solve problems and, and get my way through, through struggles. I, um, I I can see that, that being the case, but you know, smart. Fair enough. I, I, you know, you, you had asked me like, what, what got me to taking action, right? Like what, what caused me to want to change the whole game, right? Yeah. So I kind of give you a background on my family. So my grandfather, like I said, bud, he, (laughs) with one, one tooth and a gun, he actually gave me that gun. I still have it. It's like, this is true story guys. Like I'm not like making stuff up. Like, um, he gave me that gun and, uh, the day he told me he's going to give me his only possession, it was very an emotional day. We were on a four-wheeler, my dad, myself, and him on one four-wheeler, and he had his oxygen tank just getting done with open heart surgery, and we're hunting deer, right? <laughs> <laughs> and a four-wheeler is a, is a four-wheel like a, drive truck? No, no. It's it's like a, a like a quad. It's like an ATV is known. So it's like an off, oh, like a, okay. like off a small little it. machine, right? Okay. So we're all the terminology. Like I'm a like New York, LA girl. Yeah, I love this. Some people are going to be listening to this be like, yeah, I know the four wheelers. Okay, I can, okay, you got a seven mag. All right, cool. Yeah, I know. Thumb hold scope. Yeah, like okay. gibberish to me. Okay, but I know what an ATV is because I've done uh, ATVing as an activity yeah. when I've been traveling. Anyway, so he he shoots the biggest deer of his life from the four wheeler. He's all happy. He's emotional, you know, and he's like, go drag that deer down to me, boy, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So he can't even walk up to the deer. So I drag the deer down to him and he gets all emotional. He says, when I die, this gun is yours. And uh, so, yeah, so I got his gun. And I actually had it refurbished and spent, you know, more money that it would cost me more money just to buy, you know, to fix it than it was just to buy a gun. But I <laughs> yeah. refurbished it for, for him. Um, but <clears throat> anyways, um, you know, I, I grew up in that world, right? That I was taught, you know, my, I'd ask my dad, how was work, dad? And he'd say, son, you don't go to work because it's fun. They, you know, they don't pay you because you're having a good time. You know, that was the, that's what I was raised around. And that's not true at all, guys. Like, that's not true. That's a limiting belief. If you're listening to this, you think that it's not true. I love every second of my day, every part of it from the time I wake up, my workouts to going to work, to coming home, to be with my beautiful family. Like life can be 
wonderful. You can make a ton of money at the same time. So anyways, I, I had that mindset growing up. I, from the time I was 11 years old, I was required to work. When I was 16, my dad cut me off financially. You know, he was raised rough. You know, that, that his father, his real father, Bud, uh, you know, he's an alcoholic gambler. He had to borrow go and ask food from neighbors to feed his younger siblings. Like my dad grew up rough, right? His, his stepfather was a, was a Korean war vet that saw a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of combat, a lot of issues there, abusive. Like it was, he grew up different and my dad changed a lot of that, right? My dad was decently loving, very harsh, very hard. Um, but, but he loved me. He spent a lot of time with me and my family in the mountains and, um, so grateful for that, but he required that I worked. And so from the time I was young, I remember my first door-to-door -door sales thing. I was selling aeration for the family lawn mowing business. And um, oh, I love aeration. So aeration is like, um, yeah, so. Soil, uh, it has to do with soil, right? Yeah, so when you, when you, um, you're, it, it helps the, I keep using terminology here for the landscaping world. That's my good. landscapers don't know what I'm talking about. Basically it plugs, puts like dirt plugs in the ground. It like pulls little plugs okay. out of the dirt. You know, you see that in the spring, they'll pull like plugs, like dirt plugs. They almost look like little doggy poops, you know, but they're, they're just dirt plugs. Anyways, it helps with the aeration, allowing oxygen to get to the soil and it helps the aeration, grass. Aeration, like AIR, getting yep. air into the soil. Yeah. Anyway, so I was selling that. We would do that in the spring for our landscaping business or yard care business. And, and um, I preferred to do that than the actual labor because the labor I get paid five, six bucks an hour, you know, to do it mm -hmm. um, by my family. And I was, I was pretty small at that age. So moving that giant piece of equipment was hard, but door to door sales, I got paid per sale and I was making like 30 bucks an hour selling. No one said no to me, you know, that's <laughs> I was like, this is great. Like I like sales. And that's kind of where I got my first taste of it, you know, at a very young age. And then I, I worked all kinds of different jobs. By the time I was 17, I had done, um, you name it, I'd done it. I'd done, I had made handcrafted cheese, framed houses, finished carpentry, taxidermy. You know, I was working at <laughs> nights doing taxidermy, working, <laughs> you know what I mean? You should see all the taxidermy in my office. It's crazy. Um, anyways, yeah. like, uh, you know, I, that, that was my life, right? Like, that's what I did. I worked. And then when I was 16, my dad said, you're a man now. If you want something, you pay for it. I'll pay for, he gave me 200 bucks a year for food or for, sorry, not for food. <laughs> no, for clothing. Uh, you'd be pretty hungry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd be starving. So 200 bucks for clothing. And then he paid for my food and I didn't have to pay rent or anything. But, I, but after that, I mean, it was on me. He wouldn't even co-sign a loan for a vehicle. He said, if you want one, you'll get the cash. And, um, you know, I wanted to play basketball. And so I paid for my basketball and only had one pair of shoes. I got made fun of because they were always stinky. Like it was, you know, but I, I had to do what I had to do. And so by the time I was 17, I had all this work experience and I was done. Um, but I remember when I was, when I was about, I think I was 14 or 15, I was working, um, late at night with my dad mowing lawns in these giant mansions. I kept thinking to myself, like, why aren't we having people mow our lawn? Why do we have to mow their lawn? And I was like, how much money do these people make? And I said, making all these questions to my dad. And he said, son, I don't know. Ask my rich friend. <laughs> and his name was Clint. And I was like, Clint doesn't have money. He's got a beat up old truck. What are you talking about? He's like, no, he has money. He's just cheap, son. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so so I, I go talk to Clint and Clint's like, read this book. It was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And if you haven't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it is an amazing book. It's a great for mindset. It talks a lot about real estate, but, but really what I get out of that book is the importance of taking responsibility for financial situation. 
And so when I read that, it kind of gave me this idea and um, thought process of wanting to be in charge of my own life and being an entrepreneur. And so when I was 17 year old, years old, I was done. I had worked in Nova Scotia, Canada, my junior year summer, I worked 80 hour work weeks. And um, <clears throat> that's what I did all summer. And I came home with enough money to buy my first truck cash and a little bit of equipment. And I remember I, I was so out of money by the time I got my first cell phone, my truck, and a little bit of window cleaning equipment. I couldn't even buy a bucket. I had to, I went and stole a five gallon empty paint bucket from the construction site down the street. <laughs> and and I, I had to go door to door for my parents' house to get my first window cleaning clients because I didn't have any money for gas. Wow. And so I went door to door and I remember the first sale I got was 30 bucks. I walked all the way back to my parents' house, like a mile and a half, got my truck, drove, did the job, got paid, drove the gas station, right? <laughs> like, and that was my start of being an entrepreneur. And wow. from there it's exploded. I remember my first bid of a hundred bucks, the first day of making a thousand, my first day of making 2000. And then, you know, now I have one project that when it's finalizes, I'm not touching any of it literally none of it. I'm going to make 300 grand, my, my portion wow. right on one deal. It's, it's absolutely crazy. The journey and the experience and none of it's been easy. Um, it's all been fun because I've grown and I've learned and, um, uh, yeah, man, that, that's, that was kind of my, my start entrepreneurship and in, in getting into real estate. I like it. I like it a lot. So you keep teasing us about this thousand dollars to 40 in 40 days. Yeah that was, that was, uh, that was fun. That was really fun. So I, I said a prayer before I left. I said, I want this experience to be a gift to others for them to give them the confidence, that belief in themselves. Like we were talking about, right. I wanted to find a Stan Nielsen. So that's specifically what I prayed for. I said, I want to find a Stan Nielsen for the rest of the world that wants to get into this space. It was a gift that was given to me. I want to pay it forward and, um, <clears throat> and get emotional here. So it was 100% like, yes, the goal was to make 40 grand, but the, really the whole goal was to give people belief and faith and see it's possible and to see it's possible to have to do it and make a lot of money and still have integrity and to still like be a good person, you know, because I think that's a lot of the disbeliefs and disconnections that people have is you can't be a good person and have money. Right. And um, so I wanted to give that gift to the world. And so I went to work and uh, the first the day four, I called someone. Uh, his name was uh, Jerry. And uh, I, I was like, Jerry, you know, I'm trying to find the owner of property XYZ. And he's like, honey, do we do we own the property on Oak Hills? I was like, oh, this dude's got more than one property, right? Like, it's obvious. You don't even know what addresses he owns. And um, so I was like, Jerry, it's okay. I was like, do you have any properties you want to sell? And he said, oh, yeah, I do. I have a couple. Come on over. You know, so I will go to his house and it was almost identical to Stan Nielsen. I called wow. the wrong phone number, wrong guy. He has multiple properties he wants to sell. He's done with a couple of them, right? Um, he And he told me, we sat me down, we talked for hours about how he had willed and dealed and become successful and done what I was doing, right, to become successful. Yeah. And he said, but these these three properties I don't want to deal with. And so I got three three contracts on day, um, on day four. I was going to make over six figures from that one wow. appointment. Um, but by the time we had ended, we got seven total contracts. Uh, I was able to wholesale three of those and make $93,000 just selling the purchase contracts. I kept two of them as rentals that I'm going to do the lease option. Like I did originally with, um, with, uh, Stan Nielsen's properties. Right. And, uh, those two properties, I have lease options. Like I said, the ones that I picked up on the 40 day challenge, one of them is going to exercise a right to buy me out here in the next couple of months. I'm going to make 55 grand on that one. 
So, I mean, by the time it's but all said and done, did you have to pay him for that to do the lease option? What did you have to pay to do it? Um, so I used, I used my own money, but in the challenge, I showed you how to get private money. And I showed that and got, got the private money, but I had money sitting around I needed to use. And so I just used my own money, but I wanted to show people they could do it even if they didn't have money sitting around like I did. Got it. I love it. That's amazing. So where you're at now, what's a current challenge or opportunity in the business? You know, my whole vision. So I like, I have, I have three companies essentially at this point, right? I have my holdings company with all my portfolio, you know, my rentals and that kind of stuff. And that's just growing. And the more money I make with my other companies, it pours into that and that's snowballing, right? It's generational wealth. It's something that, that will be a resource to future generations. I have my wholesaling company, which is what I consider my, my deal generating company, right? I, I, what I say is I, I keep the best and I sell the rest. Right. So the deals come across my table and I say, eh, sell that one for 30 grand. Right. I don't want it. Or I say, uh, keep that one because my my net worth will go up by six figures. Let's keep that one. Right. And and so I that's what I do with that company. And that's automated. I have people do all my appointments. I just sit and evaluate deals. So literally spend two, three hours a week on that company. And um, you know, that's what I teach people how to do. But all of my time and energy is going into coaching and helping other people be successful. So I have students and I, I pour a lot of time into them and I have my podcast and YouTube channel where you can watch the 40 day challenge for free um, and uh, TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. And the reason I'm doing that is I want, I want to be able to make an impact. I want to be able to not only make money, I've done that, but now I want to like bless other people's lives and encourage other people and help other people. Um, it's where I find fulfillment. It's where I find joy. And one of the struggles I'm finding now is yes, I'm having a ton of success by being a coach and helping people, but I feel like for me to be ultra successful, not only do I have to create financially successful people, but I have to create leaders. Um, and so one of the things and focuses that I have right now is empowering and creating leaders within that coaching company. So that's, that's one of the struggles I, I'm having right now and something I'm learning, something I'm looking into, like getting coaching for myself to be able to accomplish that. And so I've been looking and like trying to uh, find different companies that would be in alignment with what I'm trying to build and seeing if I can convince one of them to let me be their charity case, basically. <laughs> so. I love it. Well, interestingly enough, I was in a Barnes & Noble yesterday. And I picked up a book that I thought was about something completely different because it's called The Secret. If you study anything about the law of attraction manifestation, The Secret is like a well-known in that world. So I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And it's by mm -hmm. Ken Blanchard. And I'm like, Ken Blanchard wrote a book called The Secret? Like, this is weird. Mm -hmm. And it's a book on leadership. It's it. one of the Ken Blanchard books. And I thought I'd have read all of them already, right? Like Who Moved My Cheese and The One Minute Manager and The President, like all the get, like all of them. Have you, read, read, have you ever read his books? I haven't actually. I'm okay. going to dive in. It sounds like I need to. You will love them. They're so easy. They're so light. They're stories. He writes them in a story. And so the the secret is uh, one second. Everybody, just sit tight. Count to 10. One, two, three, three four, four, five, six. Six. Oh, seven, faster. Eight. The secret. <laughs> what great leaders know and do, Ken Blanchard and Mark Miller. Love it. Um, and in the Barnes and Noble, I got up to page 35. I was like, I need to see this. And I just started reading. I just kept going. They're so light. They're so easy. They do them in story format. Um, only up to page 35. The whole book is only about 
130 pages. So it's really not bad at all. Um, and he starts talking about where I'm up to, leaders are here to serve, right? Yes, and and to, you lead by example, people learn what's important to you by how you allocate your resources, financial and time, which are our main, our primary resources. Um, well, energy, but okay, different conversation. You'll like this a lot. I'm excited. No, I love that that it brought up leaders serve. Um, you know, I've been coaching some of my students to go from like doing a few wholesale deals to building an automated business and becoming a leader, right? So I have been trying to figure out how to create more leaders and, and I've been is, working what does it on mean it. To be a leader. A leader is just someone who's in service. When I read that, I was like, oh hundred percent. A leader is just someone who's in service of others. And sometimes leaders run organizations or run departments or run families, and sometimes they don't. A leader is just someone who's there in service of others. Yeah. Well, think about our, our, our leaders that are influencers, people that have made generational impacts. Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Jesus. All servants of servants. others. Servants. They serve. Yeah, like, they like serve. just think of like the story of Jesus cleaning his apostles' feet. And Peter's like, no, you shouldn't be cleaning our feet. We should clean your feet. And he says, if you want to be great, you serve the most. Yeah. Right? It's 100% true. It doesn't matter what your religious background or anything, if you want to make an impact, you have to be the person that gives the most hundred percent. And it's not, and I was just having this conversation on a, a, a podcast that I was just a guest on right before we did this recording. Um, people then think, oh, but then you have to be selfless and you can't ever take care of yourself because you have to be in service of others. And it's not true. You have to take care of yourself first. The best service you can provide to others is with the best version of you that you can bring to the table. So when you're happy, when you're joyful, when you're physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually well taken care of, that's when you can offer the best service. And yeah. I think people get lost on that. A leader is yeah. not someone who exists for others and not themselves. Yeah, 100%. And I think sometimes when when people bring up an objection like that, it's it's they're saying something like that because they they want to comp out. I think a lot of the times too. Right? Um, I think also they've seen bad examples of what they think is leadership, which is martyrdom, right? And and martyrdom is not leadership, right? Living for others and not living for yourself is not leadership. So I think people do get confused what it means to serve. And again, being female, I was telling you before about like, you know, the societal um, biases or indoctrinations, you know, mm -hmm. you get like, you know, um, women and they've done a lot to turn the tides, but a lot of the messages are like, you know, you exist for your family, you exist for your children, you exist to serve. And many women get to a place where they completely forget that they're human. <laughs> they forget that they're people with needs. And if those needs are not met, then they can't serve very well. You know, my kids sometimes say to me, I love to dance. I do dancing. I take dance classes and trainings. And uh, I was going to a dance class there. I was like, why do you go dancing? Why are you, you're leaving us here. <laughs> Who said that? One of my children. I have five uh, children. I, I, um, I, I, one of my kids said to me like, you're like, be quiet, you're leaving bat. us here. Like, poor <laughs> you, you know, like you just ate, you're sitting with activities. You got, I feel so bad for you. You know, um, <laughs> you leave us to go dancing. Why do you do that? And I was like, because it makes me really happy. And a happy mommy is a better mommy for you. That's why. I, lo I love it. That easy. <laughs> I love it. Um, I love that. Well, thank you so much. This has been absolutely amazing. Tell people where they can find out more about you, about the real estate stuff, about the coaching and the, the leadership stuff. Where, where's the best place for them to go to connect with you? Yeah, I'm going to, the, the best place is to start is definitely the free content, you know, um, 
please check out the podcast and the YouTube channel if you have any interest in real estate investing or learning how to do this stuff. So uh, everything I have is branded DFD Mastery or Driving for Dollars Mastery is what it stands for. So my podcast is called Driving for Dollars Mastery. You can find it anywhere you can find podcasts. Um, if you go to my website, uh, dfdmastery.com. That's where you'd go to book a call to talk to us more about the coaching program, but there's also a link to my podcast there. Um, and then if you want to watch the YouTube channel, just search DFD mastery and YouTube, and it'll pull up my channel. And then one of the playlists is the 40 day challenge. So I love it. Okay. I have one more surprise. I did not warn you about, um, I like to ask my guests for a quote at the end of the show. It does not have to be a favorite one of all time, but it can be but I love how quotes kind of wrap things up. There's a lot of good ones. Um, you could do more than one if you want to. As many as you'd like, starting from one. <laughs> yeah. I have one that's right here that, right. Um, that I loved. Um, I had it uh, printed to put in my office. So I've actually got it right here. Do you do, you do the vi video as well or just audio? Um. Assume just audio, so read it out loud and we'll see if we can post this video clip. Okay. It says, things may come to those who wait, but only the things that left by those who hustle. Um, it's Abraham Lincoln. Yes, um, I love much, that line. Much of my life, uh, much of my life's success um, has come from hustling and it really, really changed. And I wanted to be very clear that I also believe that hustle, hustling, it should be a season in your life, not a lifestyle. Um, but if you're not willing to hustle, at least in the beginning, you will never be successful, right? Um, I hustled for a long time and then, uh, I got tired of hitting my head against the wall and I got a mentor and a guide. Uh, his name was Tom Kroll, love him to death. Doesn't coach anymore, uh, in the, in the wholesaling space, but he, he got me my start and he gave me direction and he guided my hustle and put me on the right track. And it, it's, it's helped me a ton. So I, I definitely believe that there is a time and a place for hustle. And if you're not where you want to be, it's probably going to require a lot of hard work and a lot of hustle. Um, <clears throat> I'll probably just give you that. I love it. I love it so much. And I agree. And I, I think my observation, I'm not much older than you, but some, um, is that it comes in waves, you know, because you hustle and you reach a certain place from that. And then depending on external circumstances, but primarily mindset, you know, you can cruise for a while or not. And then depending what happens, either that stabilizes and you want to do the next thing or something destabilizes where you are and you got to fix it. You might have another little hustling season. You never, you never have to hustle beyond capacity or capabilities, right? It's never about killing yourself. And that's why I was making that point of taking care of yourself because you are the thing that you bring to the table. You're the person you're going to live with the rest of your life. You know, you want to do the yeah. best you can to, to be, to take care with your being. Um, but it can come in waves, you know? And so for anyone who's listening, who, who has hustled and finds themselves, you know, the world's been a very interesting place the last year and a half or so, um, in a place where they're like, but I've done this. I did my hustle and, and I thought I'd get to cruise now. And, you know, maybe you need another little hustle season, a little quick one, you know, pull it together, get out there, do it again. And you know what it looks like, you know, and, and now that you've seen it, set yourself up with something you can fall back on so you don't have to do it again, right? Work smarter this time, do it different. Yeah, 100%. I like what you said. I, I really like that analogy because I think about it. There's, 
there'll be times in my life where I'm like, I'm a little tired and I take some time off, but there's only so much pina coladas on a beach will fulfill you. You get to the point where you're bored, right? And you want another season of hustle. Totally. And you're like, and I was just talking about this before also, you know, people think that if they're happy, then they're going to be unmotivated, but happiness is not the same as contentment or complacency. Complacency is unmotivating. Happiness or, or joy is motivating. It drives you. And so if you're really, if you're genuinely content, but you're always aiming towards happiness and joy, you begin to feel joyful and then you begin to feel restless. Like mm. I got to do stuff. I've stuff to, I can't just lie here all day. Like this was nice. I need a little break. This was good. Let's go. Let's go do things. I like that. Yeah, this was amazing. Zach, thank you so much for your time. This was incredible. Thank you for the quote. Thank you for the inspiration. Thank you for the information. Um, and for all of you listening, share this episode, whoa, with anyone who needs to make money or who wants to be inspired and feel motivated about being successful in their business and their life. Zach, thank you. No worries. Thanks for having me. And thanks everybody for, for tuning in and uh, appreciate the support. So, yeah. And guys, we will catch you next week. So you want to subscribe more really fun stuff coming. You've been listening to the business breakthrough podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours? 